0: Welcome back to an all new instalment of the Super Metal Brothers right here in the old podcast. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm
1: Super Brother Dan.
0: And we're here to talk to you about the news, reviews of the latest album from Pain called Coming Home. And our uh, listener polled question again, Danny.
1: Yeah, it's been a great week. We've actually survived the power outages and the storms. We've learned to speak underneath water, so we can do this podcast this week.
0: Yeah, we're actually thrown back into the 14th century, as everyone has found out. We had no power here on the Wednesday last week. Literally, zero nada. You're at a hospital, too bad about that.
1: Yeah, it's a shame. And like saying, we've had more water here than that, I don't know girls crying at Justin Bieber concert or something so we, we've done well we've, we're here we've blasted some power metal and that got the power back on here just, in Adelaide
0: just girls Danny just girls out of power at a Bieber concert yeah there's no video evidence Mass. you can't continue with this so let's talk about the news, and straight up on the uh, chopping block is the latest news that have hit, and we couldn't believe when we saw this one hit the uh, the old Super Metal Brothers uh, page, um, Death. Now, you, you obviously know them from Chuck Shulina's, late Chuck bands. band. Uh, pretty much what's happened is, we've just come out of nowhere. A documentary has been released called Death by Metal, Danny. Did you know anything about that this was in the works?
1: Nothing at all. You know, I, I try to keep my fingers to the pulse and my ear to the blast beats, and I'd had no idea this was actually yeah being created
0: yeah what was funny was that the ex-members producers journalists and family have all gotten basically together to get this thing done um, I guess I could sense something was coming because I saw a lot of re-releases of death albums and mm. certain extra tracks and I'm like oh man this is getting a little bit like beating a dead horse or a heavy metal celebrity I guess Danny. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this been
1: done a bit lately. Dio's been um, a lot of re-releases with Dio and compilation albums, and DVDs been done with him. So when I saw this with Death again, I thought, oh, people just try to make money you know, out of Chuck's good work, but they've actually put that money to a good cause. Yeah,
0: this is exactly what Death fans would have wanted anyway. So in order for them for that to happen, I guess you know the production on this uh, trailer doesn't look like it was cheap. So mm. I guess in the long run, um, it's going to be all worthwhile. Yeah, so it's
1: actually a, it's actually a good story. They, they've used his works to fund a further telling of his life so that's actually a good way to have, um, do re-releases so good work
0: what isn't such good work is a lot of fans have realised listening to the Super Metal Brothers over the last couple of weeks was a whole Pantera situation now a lot of people keep thinking is it going to happen isn't it going to happen well again Vinnie Paul has just quashed any rumours with the latest offering saying that uh, Phil Anselmo the old vocalist from Pantera has done a lot of things to tarnish the Pantera's memory since the band split up in 2001 now, uh, what uh, Paul has uh, told a local magazine, R7, I can't speak for Phil Anselmo. He's done a lot of things that tarnish the image of what Pantera has back then and what it stood for and what it was all about. And he even admitted he hasn't spoken to Phil Anselmo since 2000s, Danny. Yeah, it's um, definitely one of those really... I guess, bittersweet things that people really have to
1: understand that there's no chance he guys coming back together. I mean, Vinnie Paul just keeps knocking it back and even addresses the whole Zach Wilde potential for him to replace Dime back in a reunion and Vinnie Paul's like, just no.
0: Yeah, we covered no. when Phil Anselmo said, nah, no one could ever replicate Dime's style and it looks like for d- the different reasons but, you know, the same outcome. Vinnie Paul, the drummer, is just not having a bar of it.
1: So there's a big hell no from Vinnie Paul, i afraid.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. He's giving, he's giving up all his hell no's to this band so he keeps doing hell yes with his other new band. I like it, i like it actress margie uh margaret robbie now danny who's actress margaret robbie what I mean, is she famous for uh
1: she's famous for being australian well not really she's famous for the latest suicide squad movie which plays uh harley quinzel or harley quinn for those people playing at homes apparently she's come out recently she was getting interviewed on one of those late night talk shows about how she was a massive slipknot fan back when she was like in the mid-teens and went through the whole like dye hair black stuff and yeah apparently she was a metalhead back in her teenage years.
0: She she says uh, it was a really weird phase. Uh, I was like into Silverstein and Bullet for My Valentine and like and bands like that. And I guess some people really never actually grow out of that phase, Danny. A massive
1: like not uh, fan animal, also massive uh, Bullet for My Valentine fan. So yeah,
0: I, I think they were kind of liberal saying that she's a heavy that they gave her the heavy metal fan because yeah. a lot of people like that are in the heavy metal circle say to other people, Oh, so you get into metal. What metal do you listen to? They'll respond with obviously, oh, Metallica or Slipknot. And automatically, this detector goes off and Metalhead's head's like warning, warning, yeah. not real Metalhead. Sees conversation.
1: Well, that's the fact. The fact she said she went through a phase, you know, she's not a Metalhead. She's just a, a teenager. He probably thought, oh, I want to like this music or something. So. Yeah,
0: look, Metal is a lifestyle choice. Once you declare yourself a Metalhead, your income is anywhere from 30 to $31 a year. Yep. Uh, you have incredibly awesome choices of black or black t-shirts or faded
1: black t-shirts if they're really good t-shirts yeah
0: and uh yeah and just a complete disdain and uh hatred for uh pretty much all mankind's honey
1: yeah pretty much anyone on tv or anyone who's not on tv and anyone who's a politician or anyone who's not a politician you just don't really trust yeah
0: yeah so when she said she grew out of it i don't think she was really in it but you know i guess we need to pay homage to any heavy metal story that sparks our interest exactly right anything which can get us our name out there is it's uh a good story Danny you like jokes don't you I love them well here's one for you Iron Maiden Ah, uh, I see what you did there Ah, uh, no, I'm just kidding Yeah, Somewhere in Time though You know the album, right? Oh, I thought
1: that joke was Somewhere Lost in Time Sorry, go on
0: yeah. <laughs> No, no, we're talking the cover art From the somewhat uh, power metal band Some people have called them progressive rock Actually, spoiler alert We actually have an interview to release to you guys At the end of this episode Which actually we talk about with these guys bit of Power Maiden uh, Iron Maiden, sorry Oh,
1: Power Slave Iron Maiden Talk a bit about genres there Yes, you're correct, Matt Well, but let's well
0: talk. Let's go back to Somewhere in Time um, it was a cover art for one of Iron Man's albums that got us interested and there are a couple of inside g- jokes about it Danny
1: yeah there's a lot there's um, the actual artist of the album said he spent a good like two three months solid on it and was doing his head because this article actually picks up all the finer details he's actually placed throughout the cover back front both inside I guess, sleeves, jackets, whatever you call it. Yeah, there's there's details galore. It's quite amazing.
0: Well, I was going to pick some of my favorite details from it. Uh, Number one was Eddie's crotch. Did you see the uh, nuclear-powered wiener on there, Danny?
1: Yeah, apparently he's got a nuclear-powered wiener. Toxic cock for the win. Yeah, I don't know how many girls can actually take a toxic dog <laughs> <laughs> to survive. So that's a weird one, yeah,
0: anyway. Self-aware poster, which is basically saying uh, it's a very boring painting. I, yeah. That's, there you go. I guess that's we, pretty funny.
1: Yeah, we love to make fun of ourselves, so we appreciate that humor.
0: But uh, one thing I really liked was at the back of the album was a picture of Icarus. So you know that as the angel of death, pretty much. And it's actually falling from one of the skies. And it's actually a nod to Led Zeppelin, Danny.
1: Yeah, why not? I, I actually my favourite one is there was Batman on the front cover. It yeah. was yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to read all the right way to the bottom of the article. There's actually all Batman right. uh, hiding away at the top there. So that was, that was my favourite reference.
0: Oh, that should have just been the album of Batman. I mean, I would actually almost like an anime after hearing that. Oh, anyway, <laughs> they'll,
1: they'll 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 persevere. I'm sure they'll still be successful, man.
0: So have you noticed lately that I guess our friend Corey Taylor has just appeared on not only on this show but a lot in the metal media at the at the moment, Danny?
1: Yeah, I think he's actually trying to go for like present of metal because he's just like campaigning. Like every week, there's a new article, a new story about him.
0: Well, he acknowledges that he's actually quite now the spokesman of metal per se. But if he says if he didn't do it, he'd just be another dick from Iowa if he didn't speak his mind. But I think if you speak too much, wouldn't that just make it? A full circle and become a dick again.
1: Well, again, it depends. Yeah, I mean, like you say, because what he says is normally that like, he meant a hit it can be controversial because just he wants to speak his mind. And unfortunately, if you don't agree with what he says, yeah, he's a dick. But if you agree with what he says, he's not. So it's yeah, one of those uh, what side of the fence you sit
0: on. We're talking about a lot, Danny. What do you think about Corey Taylor so far from reading about him?
1: Growing up, I guess, like they said, growing up in Iowa, they there was a lot of anger and hatred because of the area uh, wasn't really anything to get excited about. So look, keep in mind where he comes from, who he is, uh, pretty much what they sing about. Yeah, you can see why he's a bit blunt. And look, some people might think he's blunt. If he's from the area he's from, maybe he's not blunt. Maybe he might be a softly spoken one. So he hasn't said anything overly like really bad like racist or like hateful he's just opinionated on certain things
0: yeah I uh, long he keeps the context of the putting it on the Slipknot album I'm pretty more happier about it yeah sifting right. through every week to find new material for the Super Metal Brothers and oh there he is Corey Taylor again I get the irony of mentioning his name here again but shut up you can't judge me
1: oh you got Corey you got Ted Nugent you got uh, Rob Flynn they all want to be um, popular at the moment get their voices out there so we, we have uh, all these parties at the moment.
0: Ozzy Osbourne that guy from Guns and Roses that we cover every week yeah. Yeah. It seems like yeah, there there are a couple of staple favorites here in the Super Metal Brothers, but that's what you guys keep tuning in for, right? Let's talk about Varg Vikernes. Danny, we know Varg Vikernes, ex Burzum frontman, I guess you could call him. Uh, I guess uh.
1: talk about more like bad press and.
0: Yeah, he's notoriously negative for most parts of the metal circles. But I guess this part here isn't gonna do him any favors, but at least he thinks he might for himself. What happened back in the day with his old bandmate Euron Rustanning?
1: Yeah, apparently he didn't like Euronus too much and he in this video block he's done recently he goes on to insult him and mock him. But that's that's normally not so bad. The problem is that he, he murdered <laughs> Euronymous, 23 years ago.
0: That's right. He called the deceased Euronymous an attention whore. He was a pussy, a poser, and he was envious of the set person, Varg Vikernes. I don't know who he's trying to appease here, if there's some sort of cult fans that needed to know this or um, whatever. But I think, I think Varg's definitely got his finger right off the pulse. Well,
1: if if Corey Taylor thinks he's a dick, then what do we think of VARG, man? This guy's like <laughs> new level wankerish, you know?
0: It's going to be hard for us to ever review because, I mean, this guy was obviously writing music in, in prison at the mm. time, and he's notoriously that, but we also value our house and our treasure possession. So I guess we're going to end this segment off here, Danny.
1: Yeah, I just like fires at the end of my match. That's about
0: as a limit I'll go with fires. So yeah, <laughs> he's
1: uh, he's uh, blank.
0: Yeah, things we like on fire. Matches. A nice warm pile of wood so we can Birthday. go through our loved ones.
1: Birthday candles.
0: Earth Day candles. Things we don't like on fire. Churches. Houses. Yeah. My pets. Pets. Yeah. So uh, don't be inviting Is We all warned you. Super metal brother warning. Don't invite vagueness to your house. Hey, Dan, you like baby metal, don't you? Oh, yeah. I wouldn't say like, but I've heard that stuff. We tolerate baby metal here on the Super we, Metal We bottles. tolerate. Yeah. So we covered baby metal's metal resistance a couple of months ago, and we found it to be a meh occasion, right? Yep. But someone doesn't think they're mad, Danny.
1: No, I wouldn't. I mean, you've got three you know, cute girls with bubbly gray personalities and who pretty much dress like they're superheroes, and they thought, you know what? There's an idea here.
0: If you had the feeling that you were watching a live-action anime in its works, then you're not the only one. In fact, Warner Brothers Digital Studio Blue Ribbon Content, and Japan's Amuse USA, the subsidiary of Amuse, Inc. It might not mean much to you, but this does. Uh, they're developing a high, hybrid live-action animated series of the three girls.
1: Yeah, that's going to be actually quite interesting. So, is this going to be working in English or is it going to be like overdubbed to like be I don't know, successful to Western and J-pop audiences? I don't know how um, it's going
0: to work. I, I'd imagine a lot of people would have questions. One is how the hell did it happen? And two, how the hell can I get my money back? But the third question would be what they're going with it. And it looks like they've got a... I guess it would be like a magical Sailor Moon cross... Um, I don't know, Rob Zombie Affair, maybe? Uh,
1: I literally have no idea what direction they could take this. I and mean, they could go full, like, Techno Man, or, you know, um, even Gelligan have these girls jump in suits to, like, fight monsters while they, like, blast guitar solos. Or they could just be, like, you're at Sailor Moon. They, 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 who knows with the Japanese creation what they could go with?
0: I reckon what they're going to go with is going to be, like, Sailor Moon, in the set that they will be normal girls every day, right? They'll go to school. They'll bitch about Monica from, you know, from math class. And then when they have a, an A- alien being that has tentacles coming out of it that's basically forcefully accessing people's no-no parts, they will transform. They'll be like, you know, and something incredibly racist like that. And um, they're going to transform, right? They're going to turn into their actual on-stage personas. So they're going to have metal. They're going to have like high heels. All that stuff that's really impractical to actually fight with. But, you know, it's an an anime series, right? Yeah. And then they're going to sing their monsters to death.
1: Okay, but I, I just can't wait until they sell out and they fight Godzilla for no good reason and then and then Gojira comes along and like helps him play fight it. Go- Gojira versus Godzilla. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> With Baby Metal. Baby Metal is a referee. So yeah. <laughs> that, that could be something. Look, I don't know, this could be good, like expose the kids to metal. Guess metal out there, why not? It's probably another good thing.
0: Touched on Rob Zombie just before because I actually wanted to bring him up right now. Uh, Now, veteran filmmaker John Carpenter has actually slammed Rob Zombie. Now, Rob Zombie is actually notorious now for not only doing, you know, white zombie and zombie zombie and your mum's an ugly. Zombie, yeah, John Carpenter. Now we we know him from the awesome movie yeah, Night Living Dead I think he did or Evil yeah. Dead, one of those ones. Yeah, uh, he's actually called Rob Zombie a piece of shit. And yeah. during an interview with film students, John actually claimed that Rob Zombie lied about a phone call had between them. Rob claimed that he was very cold, like you know that so John Carpenter was very cold about the idea.
1: Yeah, because Rob was redoing one of his um, movies,
0: Halloween. Yeah. That's right. And uh, no, but John Carpenter believes he actually gave him the full support, and he said to words of wisdom were make it your own movie. So I guess Rob Zombie won't be asking John Carpenter for riding his Wambulance coming up scene. Oh wait, wa- Damn, I got the joke wrong. <laughs> That's our week <laughs> <laughs> oh, What was
1: that man?
0: wagula
1: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I man, mean, I'm so bummed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's you don't really certain people like you don't want to upset. I like, don't shit where you sleep is like one of those things. You, you've upset like one of the legends of the genre. You're trying to establish yourself in. Uh, maybe maybe this is part of like creating um a division in the culture because people have rivalry, So now you've got like the Rob Zombie corner versus the John Carpenter corner. So maybe they're gonna. That's how they're gonna create and sell their future um, movies.
0: Nah, I was like basically me saying that Jeff Loomis uh, plays like a three-year-old, and I would like to see an actual good song come from Nevermore. Oh wait, Nevermore's Nevermore. Oh well, I guess that won't happen. I, you never. Know, they could become a zombie, come back again. And I just made myself very sad. So let's talk about genre some more. About Disturbed. Now, Mike Winger, the drummer says that Disturbed were never part of the new metal movement. Now, this has actually sparked the ears off of one super metal brother, Matt, because let's define new metal, Danny. Let's do it, Matthew. What do you think new metal is off the top of your head? Bands like
1: Chore and Olympia Skit, where they kind of blend a bit of like industrial sound to their um, music.
0: I'm going to say stuff like down-tune guitars. You know how you can just kind right. of get a single note on the top of that? Uh, like those kind of hip-hop and alternative kind of influences. And like that kind of more of a syncopated feel rather than just playing chords or something like that. Now, Daniel, did I just describe to you the Down With The Sickness album all the way through to Silent album, Danny? It seems like you've just done that, Matthew, yes. So, where do you think? What kind of drugs do you think uh, Mike Wenger was smoking or injecting to himself when he found out that he got that wrong? Maybe
1: like news, and he thought news are like N E W new metal. So no, no, our metal was around since like the two thousands, like when Corn and Biscuit was around. So no, we're we we're, we're we're not new metal.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling that as far as he, this guy gets the world record of farthest of missing the point it ever came to labeling himself as genre. So I think. I think it's him hanging around David Drame way too much, man, where David Drame's just like just gotten in their head how great they are and how transcending they are, but when really they've just ripped off different people.
1: Yeah, maybe because have done so many different cover songs in their past, they just actually don't, they think they're a cover band these days, not even a new metal band.
0: So it's a time that we finish off this segment and give some friendly advice to any band starting out right now. Dan, did you know this was the most important time for metalheads with their merchandise right now? No, Matthew, why is that? Well, because right now there are labels who are actually using heavy metal as a fashion forward thinking, right? And we, we've covered this on Super Metal Bros before. We've talked about how metal labels now are taking the metal industry and using it as a fashion concept and basically mm-hmm. selling to people. So, what do you think, Avalon, uh, who had a, made a hoodie which is metal inspired, right? It's got the uh, like a stolen mortician logo kind of thing. And it's, they've considered it, you know, they've coined it the look of the summer. How much do you reckon these jumpers go for on the internet? Uh, I mean, like, standard metal hoodie from like a concert is what? Let's say $50, 60 $70? Yeah, good one. Yeah. See, this is what fans have, have to realize. That's what they could be selling their hoodie for right now. But guess how much they really are selling it for? Wow, well, maybe double. Let's say 120. one hundred twenty. One thousand dollars, Danny. They are selling this Jeez. thing for a cool one thousand quid, and this is for a you know just the one side of the logo, regular fit, black cotton jumper. Can you imagine how much money that our uh, friends in, uh, I guess you know the guys we've had on the thing like um,
1: Headbore and y- the band coming on Saturday, which we'll, we'll let you know later. Yeah. What Do they you know
0: how much be? money they could be actually raking in a show? I mean, they could be making like. Three, you know, they sell, what, three jumpers, six jumpers, six grand. Oh, yeah. It's funny because I think just just
1: tracking back a bit, Matt, I think you mentioned that the average male head earns about 30 bucks a year. So Yeah. <laughs> let you save it for 20, it was about, you know, 30 years. Yeah, you can finally pay from these shirts.
0: Yeah, so I think what has needs to do now is get shops. Get your name of the band, buy a shop down Westfield for, yeah. like, whatever, and just sell, I don't know, seven jumpers a, um, a week, and there seven you go. Seven jumpers, that's nothing, man. And just, all you do is get
1: some really like attractive people to, like, hang in front of your store and, all done,
0: yeah. Or I guess you could get someone like Kanye West or uh, Kardashian, there, yeah. So you can get Kanye West or Kim Kardashian to wear it too, yeah. You know I mean,
1: yeah, they got um, there's very photos of uh, Alicia Keys wearing these shirts, so yeah, apparently, the, apparently, it's sits in.
0: So we're going to move on to our podcast question. So the podcast question of the week that we've asked the listeners to actually give us their well-informed opinion about it, and then we'll give our very rushed and hastily opinion in response, I guess, Danny.
1: Again, another good response. A lot of people put their feedback in, which has been really, really good to hear. So thank you for that.
0: So our question, who are the next bands in rock and metal that can sell out or play in big arenas? So in order to set this up, Metallica, one of the frontrunners and the most popular metal bands probably of our generation, expressed their concerns for the next generation of arena bands when they leave the industry. So when they finally decide to uh, give it a rest, who's going to stand up? Who's going to take their place? Who's going to take the torch and uh, basically run with it like uh, the Olympics would uh, so help us uh, be doing? Now, I'm not too sure how to answer this question, Denny, so I think we need to talk to our viewers about it. Yeah, I can see what they say. There's actually
1: been quite a good array of uh, feedback here.
0: Yeah, so we're going to look at Luke, sir, right at the top. He was the first one to respond. Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath are huge in that respect, but that's a hard question to answer that next generation. So we're already 30 seconds into this, and we've had someone just like us be absolutely stumped by this question.
1: Well, it's fair. Yes, okay. I mean, it is a tricky question. You want to be careful. You don't get your passions involved. I think that's the tricky thing, answering a question like this. You got to, can't be blindsided
0: by bands you love and by the passion of your genre. So let's ask someone else. We have Ben Morris, who actually was so keen, he replied twice. He said Avenged Sevenfold. They've actually sell huge numbers. And his all-time favorite, Alter Bridge, also sell out stadiums in the UK and the USA. I guess their sound definitely appeals to a bigger audience, especially old, uh, Avenged Sevenfold, which is kind of that cross between... Uh, heavy metal and hard rock which is very accessible yep. uh, my mum loves it so that's another thing and a ve- and Elton Bridge which basically a voice everyone oh we know Elton Bridge Danny that's yes, Dio
1: that, that's right it's a reincarnation of Dio it's, um, oh wow so we, we've had a go at this every time Elton Bridge gets mentioned now we have a go because their promoters said that the singer is a reincarnation the second coming of Ronnie James Dio and uh, I'm sorry if you like Elton Bridge that's fine but ever hearing that I I get personally angered and so, upset by this.
0: So here's a here's a tip for everyone out there in Radio Land listening to us. Don't mention that he, uh we've Alter Bridge is then a the second coming of D.O. reenactment. Um what it is though is uh is a good point. You know, we're starting to touch on bands that post We'll come back to those bands yeah. in a sec. Josh Rigby is like there is no next generation bands. Slip not disturbed etc etc will be the last arena band after Metallica and Maiden Call a day. After them only three festivals and three or four bands tour in his opinion. a very bleak and dystopian outlook for our friend Josh Rigby of Arcadia. Yeah, I guess you might call a Spade a
1: Spade or you know Ace for Spade if you're a Motorhead fan but it could be he could be a bit of a point there
0: if if we had people like, Uh, Josh Rigby in the climate control period, you would assume that today would be like, oh no, just burn diesel fuel. It's fine. Oh, the the global mice, that's fine. We'll just drown faster. I mean, it's too late for now. Just just don't worry.
1: Get your V8 and just like go around Australia until we ran out petrol. petrol.
0: That's Australia. right. Uh, what was that? Is that magnesium? Yeah, pour it into water. We can have more fish with seven yeah, eyes. It's but, fine. But maybe he's just saying
1: what is what a lot of people are afraid to face up to as well. Maybe he is the mirror that we desperately need.
0: Well, let's time. hope not because I want to talk to Ryan Wittaker. say to remember and bring me the horizon of biggies. The essay sold out Bring Me the Horizon, which is something big that doesn't happen too much. Again, Danny, that's a good point, but Adelaide, does it, is it respective of the whole world or do it actually follow trends? And that's really hard to say.
1: Yeah, exactly. Good point. I mean, a lot of bands, they come out of our flavor every now and then as well. So, I mean, pop music's really bad for Jonas, but even us, we get, we get excited by certain bands and they go away after a while as well.
0: That's really, really tricky. Uh hopefully that's true for them, but I would say that Adelaide definitely can surprise people. I don't think we're a good judge of character definitely for selling out arenas or having arena bands play here because Slipknot aren't traveling here either, man. Like we know that these brides bring money. We know that Lamb of God weren't going to be, they did come, but Sugar's not playing here. And these are the granddaddies of metal right mm-hmm. now. So, let's move on to Ben Saunders had to say. Now, Ben Saunders says, Bands that spring to mind are Steel Panther, Crossface, Elm Street, and Venoms and Ghost. One of those five, Danny, I can actually agree with the most, and not for reasons that you'd think. Oh, I'm intrigued, Matthew. Who would you the speed? I am. We will agree with ghosts. Oh, okay. Why do I agree with ghosts? We're going to cover this next week in more detail, but these guys are selling records. Can you believe it?
1: Yeah, I saw a ghost at the probably won the last sound we've seen. Honestly, I didn't get overly excited by him, but to be fair, you hear him once, it's hard to judge.
0: Well, that's the thing because they've resonated somehow with a broader community to the fact that they're outselling like Whitechapel, like almost two or three to one. Cover this more in the next couple of weeks, but Ghosts are actually a potential arena band, can you believe? Oh, well, if, hey,
1: the numbers don't lie. If that's what they're doing, that's what they're doing. So, yeah.
0: Uh, Travis Reid also believes that Bring Me the Horizon, much like Ryan, uh, they could actually technically be in that same bracket as well if you consider them around that. So, Danny, we've heard a lot about people have to say about it, but it seems like most people don't think that these bands, like Adam um, Adam Blacksmith and Josh Rigby, that they won't get to big, big scenes. Like, you know, they're just not selling enough records or whatever to do it. What is your take on who or if any bands are going to take the arena?
1: Uh, well, I agree with some mentioned that Slipknot probably is the current, big metal band like they I mean they've created their own festival like Ozfest they still not have their own not festival which is a step above the Metallica's done and considering they've had songs played on video hits back in the day and they've done popular uh, movies like Resident Evil they've done soundtracks to them you could say Slipknot pretty much is the current big stadium band which you know they've just gonna release a new album soon. I believe we're recording it, and they've still got a lot of time left with them. So I think they've they're probably the next Metallica slash uh, Maiden.
0: Yeah, I'm actually thinking right in my head about potential ones, and definitely Slipknot is by far leading that charge. When we had Soundwave around, Slipknot and bands like Metallica, obviously, obviously, we can't talk about them. They're obviously doing it really well. But mostly the return of big bands got people interested here in those kind of circles like, you know, like Alice in Chains or uh, the return of System of a Down or a couple of others that come to mind as well. What with Josh Rigby was saying, um, it will never happen again. I don't think so. I just think it changes. So with metal at the moment, the best band, who play to biggest crowds are your gimmick bands so ramstein do it slipknot are doing it and ghosts are doing it now all these have in common is they have a incredibly interesting look about them right so i think metal at the current stage it isn't like thrash was in 30 years ago where the biggest hits were the thrash metal bands with the angst and the stuff like that it seems like now it's more of a, a gimmick of like the show and what people can do in order to to capture people's imagination not just with the sound because let's be honest having a band with good sound these days is quite easy with the way that technology has increased right
1: yeah that's true as well Matt. but i think look, another band we're just completely missing the point i guess because being in australia we're not been we're not exposed to the european sound european feel and what they really care about what they really like but nightwish nightwish actually sold out wembley so that i don't know too many metal bands which have been able to do wembley stadium so I think they are potentially again also a band which can go on to be a long stay in the um, festival and arena.
0: Yeah, and I think you. I think you've nailed it. I think maybe due to location and stuff like that, they're lucky enough to have that. But I think the West might currently doesn't look good for big. You know, arena bands. We do look like we're going to have some festivals coming in the next couple of years. With Legion coming here, with hopefully uh, Not Fest coming here as well, mm. and a few other ones that Even are download potentially. And download potentially. There we go. Oh, yeah. So, what will happen to Australian festivals? Well, I think we're kind of in that st- in a stale plane at the moment. But you're right, Danny. Europe is still beaming, still pretty successful with that kind of stuff. So let's just hope that uh, we catch the uh, Europe virus.
1: Yeah, it's true, but I think like Josh Ruby makes a good point that you rather you won't really see the massive bands, but maybe you see more festivals, and that's true, because I mean value for money, festivals really work, you you pay probably about one and a half times a normal concert ticket, but you get to see hopefully your favourite band, plus like at least 10 other favourite bands, so it, it could just be that um, coming as a group, uh, doing these festivals is the way to go, and even the band itself might prefer it that way as well because they get exposed themselves to um, other fans which might not have heard them before and still uh, play to their fans and maybe bigger um, potential for merchandise etc so mm. maybe that, that could be the ways that yeah the festivals are the place to go to see I guess biggest bands
0: yeah we are seeing Guns N' Roses play here soon and they managed to do their work off maybe one to two albums so let's be honest I think it will happen it's just what form it will take and like you said if arenas go away for a while and it makes way for festival shows which actually sell the same amount of numbers, numbers then who are we to really care that way we see more bands for the same amount of our buck
1: yeah it's true but look it, it could be again you go to the whole social side of things and the fact that these days people have shorter maybe ten bands people aren't as loyal as much but also because we're so bombarded with so many different bands it can be easy to like get excited by other bands and forget your other favorite band because there's so much out there if there's a certain style of music you like you could just be band hopping and band hopping and it's
0: hard to get the numbers because they're the, just spreading out the fans so, so thinly. So there you go, guys. That's our 20 cents on the whole billion dollar question that is who will be the next arena band? We're not too worried about who it's going to be because we believe someone will rise up like a phoenix through the ashes. We will see our band that we will like, regardless whether they're playing in front of ten people or a thousand people or yeah. a billion.
1: I'm exactly right. I mean, Slipknot started playing in front of like nine people, and there's only nine of them, so that each
0: one could um sync individually to a person in the
1: crowd. So just go out and keep supporting the local guys. Hey, the local guy from your corner could be the next big thing.
0: That's right. And just imagine how intimate that session was, and then you could tell all your friends who won't believe you about it, but you can believe you, Danny. Yeah.
1: Hey, I even heard recently on one of these. Uh, late night shows they had the interviewing thing and seeing i remember playing in front of three people as well so hey it happens to everybody
0: hilarious so let's talk about our featured presentation today which is the review of the latest album from pain called coming home let's set it up for you guys coming home is the eighth album by the swedish metal unit called pain it was released on september 9th 2016 and this charted 14th in finland funny enough but only 40th in their native homeland
1: yeah, I guess um, people in Finland like to bite the pain better than people from Norway.
0: What the more of an interesting thing is Pete Tagarin. Now, you'd know him, I knew him best definitely from Hypocrisy, but people would know him as the guy that's actually doing this. As, he started as a hobby, like pain was started off as a hobby. And Pete Tagarin decided, you know, this can go full, full on. And uh, with the eight albums later, here we are today reviewing their latest album.
1: Yeah, I mean... For people, when you hear the word pain, I like, this is my first experience of pain myself. I was expecting to see like some of the technical death band like hate, but it's actually not. It's quite different.
0: Yeah, it's one of those interesting situations that, again, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago where band names that we didn't want to listen to the band because their name was so generic and so formulaic that it was like, well, it can't be good. If they're that lazy with that, they're going to be lazy with the songwriting. And we can tell you right off that this album definitely isn't lazy. But what do we have to think about it, Danny?
1: Well, there's actually quite a bit. So, should we start with the riffs, Matt?
0: Let's start it off from the riffs. In round one, we are talking what the guitars do for this album. We are big fans of the chunky riffs, the memorable catches, melody lines, all that stuff that can like pay your money for, right? You hear a couple of seconds on guitar, and you're gonna like that's gonna be the album you buy or not?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny because we 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 did a lot of like progressive bands for a while, and then we like decided a bit more metal last week, and then this week is actually it's a bit between the both. You have Mm. times where you have some massive like really cool, crunching, heavy riffs. Like, you have track two, Call Me, and even track eight, The Final Crusade, which has a, like, nice intro. Yes, you yes, have some really, cool, like, rockin' riffs, some really heavy, groovy riffs, and then you also just have some more subdued and uh, cut back riffs as well.
0: I find for generally the whole entire album, what Pete does with the stuff for Hypocrisy, because it's his death metal band, he actually used the guitars more as a forefront for it. You know, he'll use the melodies or the, or the solo side of it or the licks to be on the guitars, and even some of those riffs take a very much sense of stage, presentation for it that harmonize it they'll just make it evil and great this is definitely not that i find the guitars are more there to set up the string sections Mm. the horns the drum and bass kind of keyboardy kind of things literally the the guitars are there to lock in with a double kick with the drummer to make sure everything's going along just as a groovy dancey parade should
1: yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the guitars. It's funny because you, yeah, you don't take too much credit to them, but you actually like hear the riffs of this album, and they actually are some really heavy rock and riffs. I mean, the, the singing throws you off because the singing is very melodic, and there's only a bear of screaming. So the, the singing makes you feel like oh, this song is more of a, like it's just a normal rock song. But you actually listen to the like drum hits and the blasting and the um. It actually can be heavy at times, so watch out for the subtleties.
0: Actually, I was pretty much didn't know what to expect because I never really got into pain as much. A friend of mine at the time swore pain was better than hypocrisy, and I'm like, I'm not even going to judge that because I love hypocrisy and I still do this this very day. But this album's definitely groovy. It's not a metal album the whole way through it, but it is got y kind of grooves, and even when it's not, the riffs, the guitars underneath it are making sure that you're bopping your head the whole time. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's um,
1: done quite well to create a unique feel to this. yeah.
0: And most of it we're going to cover in diversity because yeah. literally this is the the strength of the album or, you know, for some people, the weakness. But let's move on to the vocals right now. And I guess the vocals, Danny, well, this is where people are going to be the most divided about the album.
1: Oh, you, you can be. I mean, that, vocally, the guy... He's got, like, nice range. He doesn't do anything fancy vocally. Um, He's not the strongest singer as in power-wise, so you have a feeling he's kind of one of the self-taught singers.
0: Yeah, what he's got a great ear for, not only when it comes to writing songs, but it's writing melodies. So every time he has a melody, it's a catchy, memorable melody. Even though the conviction sometimes, his technique can't hold it. And if you want, the best example I can give you is the song Black Knight Satellite. The chorus of that song, he gets pretty high. And even then, I'm like, yeah, that would have taken a few takes. And even then, I'm like... That's a register that he's not quite got hold of. But the whole album, again, has just got so many memorable. The chorus itself is incredibly strong. You'll sing it for days. You'll hear it once, and you'll be like, all right, that's the backdrop for my life for the rest of the civilization as we know it. The singing for songs like Absentee Phoenix Rising, or even songs like uh, I Wanna Be, you know, they're not incredibly, you know, a stretch of across 17 registers or different styles like, you know, Floyd Janssen would take to school with anyone. But I guess, Daniel, they, they do the job so well that you just don't even care.
1: Yeah, he does display emotion in like some, like again track 10, which is the star seed, I think it's called, and even track six, which is coming home. Like, again, he, they're the more like stripped back, softer songs. So he tries to um, incorporate these things appropriately. And yeah, you do get a bit of the feeling with it. I guess his voice, because he sometimes feels like he's strains when he sings, kind of fits the tone of those songs. So he does that well. Um, it's a bit, look, I was hoping he did a bit more like screaming in it. Like I think track nine is only nine where he actually, he does one or two notes where he screams. And that's really
0: bad. I think track eight kind of, he kind of mixed it with a bit of distortion guitar, but that's about all really. To put it this way, there. this is what Jeremy Clarkson said once on Top Gear and this quote stuck with me without beauty there can't be some strangeness and to me this must be one of the most bizarre albums I've ever heard and that is to its credit because like you said Danny it's just so weird with the way he not only sings but what he sings about yeah. it's just so off the wall and you can hear this right from the song designed to piss you off right from the get-go not only the, the riffs but the style of singing is just not what you'd hear with hypocrisy and it's just like well this is what you get it's it's almost, it's charming in its crazy weirdness.
1: I mean, the lyrics, like if you go, Call Me and in pain in the ass, it's kind of like the Bloodhound Gang, if they turn themselves into a metal band, like with the types of lyrics. And I'm sure those kids out there remember the uh, Bloodhound Gang. Hey, kids, hey, hey. So yeah, the lyrics are quite, quite interesting, but they can always be quite poignant, like Wannabe is a quite poignant song. But I think the funniest thing with the track to Call Me is he actually gets it,
0: Sabaton! I get it this every week. I uh, love it. I'm not going to do it anymore. I can't give you any more news stories. <laughs> yeah,
1: but okay, the Sabaton Lee singer, which we we talked about two weeks ago, how he's a big Scottish brooding type sounding guy. They, they use him in track to, just to give a bit like a tongue in cheek moment. Because yeah. he sounds like he's an old wise like warrior. who just sings lyrics or sings like limericks, but he actually sings about being like a male gigolo in this and his brooding tone.
0: I know. It's awesome because it's like, you never felt so passionate about being an escort for the ladies out there. And it's, you know, that's the whole point of this, though. It's so much fun, but they go with so much conviction, and the, the melodies and the choruses and all that is so strong. Even when the strings come in, it's just, they're almost like, just so memorable and so, like, yeah, powerful that it's just, oh, it's just, it wants you back for more, honestly.
1: Yeah, that's, I think we should move on to diverser time. And this is the
0: whole point of Pain. Pain is a diverse album. This is like, it's almost hard to pinpoint what you can compare this to, but we're going to do our best to try it. How are you
1: Yeah, it seems like, again, this could be considered like a soundtrack album because every song, even though they slightly fit, also it can be uh, separate as well.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like there's a context to it, but what it really does is it gives you the best of his songwriting so it, even though he goes into a metal there aren't any metal screams right so if you want those heavier tracks though that push forward you've got call me you've got black Knight satellite you've got natural born idiot and even final crusade to a degree these songs are like heavy hitting and they're very much like a metal melodic death metal kind of fun zone but it's still got that drum and bass drive about them where you're always kicking forward and it's more of a dancier and atmospheric kind of experience
1: yeah, that's true. And then they also breaks that up with the um, slow songs like Coming Home and Stars Here, which is a bit more again the strip back and a bit more acoustic bass and trying to give it a feel to the album.
0: Or for my, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, my favorite track off the album is Anstantine, Phoenix Rising. There isn't even distorted guitar in it. No, that's a party song, man. It that's is, a
1: real party drinking song. It
0: is, it is a tribute to David Bowie in the 90s. I'm kidding you. The only thing that separates this from a David Bowie track is the drum sound like a metal drum kit. But if you were to put a smaller kick on it and make sure that the cymbals don't crash over everything, right? It's it is. It's an homage to 90s rock, and it is an amazing song. The verse will like stick with you, like David Bowie's "Groin" from the Labyrinth. It is <laughs> incredibly memorable. Hits you right in the eye, does it? Oh, yeah, it hit me from right across the room. Actually, I was I was, in, I was actually in my lounge room when it hit me in the eye. i like, how does that even happen? That's amazing, man. Yeah. I think
1: even like going to track one, which is, again, Design to Piss You Off, that actually has like a country sound, a country feel to it. Yeah. So you got like that to. The other songs have like a symphonic rock metal feel to it. It's, um yeah, there is a lot difference in this album.
0: Yeah, but you always got a sense that there's so much going on with every track. Like the guitars are pulled back a little bit more, but then you've got strings over the top. You've got sometimes horns. It's like, and this is a funny thing, if you've ever been into Pendulum when they were doing drum and bass and I was so maybe sick of it, or whatever, they decided to go rock and roll and for the In Silico album. And all of a sudden, they just incorporated that that sound of the drum and bass and electronics, but only as a backdrop to the rock-infused style. And this is what he's doing so well in this album, Pain, uh, with Pete Tagger. And he's just got a backdrop with certain different styles of music, but using his own take of with I guess his home roots in metal, but just like diversing it out. And everything's incredibly memorable and incredibly strong with a melody. And a chordal structure to it. Yeah, definitely.
1: He breaks it up like the song. So you have like some will have a harder rock intros, so a groove intros, so like slow intros. So yeah, had really tough, pre choruses into like nice, um, slow symphonic choruses. A couple, like one or two breakdowns, even like just, um, like Again, acoustic strip back the middle section so he, they, they do try to mix up the songs as well
0: it's funny because with Pain and Hypocrisy you get a strong sense of how the songs will go but it doesn't mean it's a bad thing he tends to follow a certain structure when he writes a song which is kind of like that pop music structure right yeah it seems that way yeah but unlike when bands like Heaven Shall Burn do it that familiarity gets you more immersed in the experience and all of a sudden even though you know it's going to happen that's exactly where your ear wants to go like the whole inside thing with jazz is that there's certain chord progressions that the resolutions must go to the one afterwards or whatever because it's the strongest way of going and this guy does it all the time and that's for the best thing because sometimes being spontaneous in that is kind of like adding peanut butter sandwich with motor oil it doesn't necessarily it's going to be transcending and great it might just mean that it's random and and pointless
1: yeah i think a bit technical there mass we might have to move on to the groove
0: well the groove album is it Denny?
1: Oh, there are some songs and there are some parts because right when he when he cuts to that symphonic he again he cuts into a lot of the chorus very symphonic and a lot of it, times it can be acoustic and sounding you can't really call those sections groovy but there are times when it gets a bit rock and a bit heavy that yeah you do groove along
0: like I was saying like track two, five, eight, nine, they're going to groove your head off as a metalhead this is a great song to get transitioned into this album for because as we'll talk about production later who this album can be for and what's all these parts together sound like but I think what it does is it makes you want to move in every song. Like it either wants to get you to sing with it, it wants to get you to dance with it, or it wants to get your headbang with it. And that in itself is I guess the whole point of immersion with this album.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean the songs where aren't groovy, like again the six and ten, which are the slow songs, they, they he replaced it with the feel to it. So again, if you're not if you're not like grooving you're rocking here, you're like you're just feeling the song, feeling where it's going with it. Like again, track 7 is a party song, so it's not groovy, but it's like a rocking song you can like you know dance along to or something. So. it's
0: kinda like almost an album that you could introduce people to metal with but the only problem is i find that certain styles of vocals or certain songs might just be too heavy for them or too sad but there are certain songs off this album which are very accessible to a big crowd especially those who are like industrial metal fans all the way from the 90s mm. i mean songs like final crusade just have that ripped off marlon manson beautiful people riff in it and so i'm like well you can't be too upset
1: yeah fair play yeah like seeing some of these chorus and prose choruses they got some really cool groovy factors like Again, they go drums hitting cymbals and offbeats, which are just most most bands should start including. It, it's a great sound. That, that, that really grooves because it, it fills the dead space with um, a bit more dynamic like hitting. So it's actually it's actually pretty cool. But yeah, now look, I think there is a little bit of groove. Again, it's not a groovy album. Like again, I mean, we're not comparing comparing to Gojira though, no. but comparing to other things we've listened to. Yeah, it's got some groove to it.
0: Absolutely. So let's tee this one off with the production and see how all these amazing things coming together gives you the experience that either you'd really really want to hear or something that you know you might just start hearing it for a while and be like ah, I don't th- I think his voice gets too much after a while or the guitars are too much what do you think Danny are all these things together going to work for you?
1: Yeah, because again like we said each song has its own greatness about it which I can be it's very like stripped back or it can be very groovy or it can be very symphonic or even just party rocking or even country if you like country so there is a lot in the songs production is quite good as well you can hear things quite well they he adds in sound effects and industrial sounds bit of a music box intro, musical box intro for one of the songs again they'll break it up a bit and make and give you the different um sense of the song so yeah
0: when all these things come together it really leaves you with a pretty satisfying overall uh context again pete targan always manages to No matter what album he does, make an experience that once you listen to the whole song from start to finish, you know, and there's going to be favorite parts of the songs to me. Sometimes it was a verse that resonated with me more or the chorus or just those groovy riffs like in Call Me, for example, which sold the album to me. So the money riff of that song was literally the verse and the intro. But um, yeah, from top to bottom, Danny, there wasn't a time where I was just regretting this listen or regretting the purchase. And, And to be honest, I think it was a pretty good album. It is. Um, I guess the biggest complaint I'll
1: have is that of singing the tone doesn't always match the music. So the first couple of times I listened to it, I'm I'm a bit, bit of a singer, so I was really focusing on the li- the tone of the singing and the singing style. When uh, I wasn't overly enjoying the album, but then when you actually hear what's underlying of the music and all which is going on the songs, you actually go, "Wow, it's actually a pretty rocking album." So it can be like one of those like Nevermore things where Dane might throw people off Nevermore. Same thing with Pain that the um the singing style might actually throw you off Pain a bit.
0: So, this one comes with a heavy recommendation and I guess the best compliment that I could give it that if I wasn't buying albums for a podcast that I had to review every week, I would have bought this album regardless and I would be listening to it because, again, if you just want great songs, uh, necessarily not in a heavy genre, it's songs that are just going to... Folly you for the rest of the day and certain. It's just, it's, 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 this is a full good album, whereas Hypocrisy for him is more of a sadness, heavy, desolation kind of vibe, you know? I find this is complete opposite, but again, the riffs are still very cool.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. And if you guys want a bit of fun, because I guess you can tell this guy's a bit of fun, the Call Me film clip is actually quite a quite interesting with puppets and stuff yeah
0: this guy is so weird every interview I've seen with the guy he's always wearing sunglasses and he's talking to the guy on the roof the whole time I mean there's a presenter in front of him but he's always looking somewhere else man he's just a strange guy and for better or worse the album actually that's probably the one thing that's probably going to scare you off the album is that it might just be too weird
1: uh, yeah, I don't think that weird. Unless unless he is that weird and uh, you see his interview and that throws off. I think unless he's a hipster. If he's wearing sunglasses, like guys his hipster, then don't buy his album because don't support hipsters.
0: <laughs> so, you yeah, know here on the Metal Brothers, okay? Don't buy albums that we think the guy might be a jerk in, all right?
1: Oh, that oh, unlucky Corey Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, he's cool, man. Yeah, we're cool, man.
0: So, with that, we've hit the final end stretch of our Super Metal Brothers podcast right here. But before we go, we have a special announcement for the persons that we're interviewing this week, Danny.
1: Yeah, we had the pleasure of spending some time with a group from Melbourne, South Australia that is, for those playing at home, called the Hazard Circular.
0: Yeah, one guy was happy to talk to us from from Victoria, Melbourne, from Melbourne, Victoria, and the other guy was happy to talk to us from Ballarat. Yeah, the other guy was well. to Ballarat.
1: That was actually very costly on our petrol bill.
0: Yeah, that's right. So lucky for us, we got them to pay for it. So it worked out really well for us. But we're gonna have we're gonna have them on the show this Saturday. So make sure you tune in to hear what they have to say about the latest single called "The Unveiling" and all their stuff that they like to eat and stuff. We really talked to them about all these special things. Then
1: anyway. yeah, I know we asked the big questions like McDonald's or Hungry Jacks, man. So we'll stick around for some. Some uh, tantalising controversy,
0: and for next week as well, we're going to change it up and do a retro review. Now, lately we've been doing all the newest things coming out, but we will be in Sydney next week, Danny.
1: We'll be in Sydney next week, seeing the greatest band currently going around at the moment, in my opinion, which is Symphony.
0: Yeah, that's right. We're gonna to head to Sydney to see Symphony X, so we can do a little bit of review like we did with Rainbow and stuff like that. So we, you guys are gonna to want to hear what we have to say about it. And in preparation, we're going to doing a retro review of their album Iconoclast.
1: Yeah, we, we kind of agree it's kind of their greatest album to date, which is not the most recent album. That was Underworld, which came out in 2015. This was released oh, I think 010 or 11, but great album.
0: If you want to come back, listen to how the Metal Brothers, sorry, the Super Metal Brothers, tick, and I know you do. Make sure you check back next week to hear our thoughts and feelings on one hell of an album. But I guess until then, Danny, we're out. I'm your super middle brother, Matt. And I'm been super middle brother, Dan. And we will talk to you very, very soon. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll check in next week.